How's everybody doing today? Amen. Am I on? Yeah. All right, I'm pretty relaxed. I hope that's okay with everybody. I don't get too excited. Um, I've been with Dwayne since the late 70s. The first service I went to, we were still in the double wide. So that's how far back I go. Uh, they call me Pastor Jim, but I'm really not a typical pastor. I've never pastored one of the locations. That's just not my cup of tea. I don't like people, so that wouldn't be very good at it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, <laughs> of course. Um, but I am on the senior lead team, so there's about six of us on the senior lead team, Pastor Dwayne being on that team, and we kind of help decide where we go, where we don't go, who goes where, and who does what. So if you uh, have any issues with Landon, I'm part of the problem because I helped send him here, so he's a great guy, amen. You love Landon? He has a reputation within the leadership of Victory Life Church, and, and gosh, we're growing. We're multiple locations uh, I think we're having about 10,000 in the online church right now around the world, Pakistan, and uh, just all over the world. And I don't know if you've met Pastor Craig, our online pastor. Has he actually been here? Yeah, he's pretty dynamic. He's a good speaker and uh, talented and uh, kind of a snake oil salesman type guy, you know, but he's really smooth. No, he, he's good. But as you go around the world, in, within our leadership, Pastor Landon is known as a pastor who loves the people. So you got a pastor that really loves you. He talks high of you. He's for you. He's going to help you get anywhere he can possibly take you. Amen. And he's constantly learning, growing to be better equipped so that he can be a better pastor also. Amen. So how many met Pastor Lee? I bet he's been here a few times. Pastor Lee has been uh, actually with Dwayne longer than I have. He wasn't uh, a pastor at the time I first met him. At that time, the associate pastor was Pastor Rick Smith. Has anybody met Rick Smith? Who um, You've met Rick. Okay, Rick, um, I think he's in Durant location now. He does hospital visits, weddings, et cetera, and things like that. There's, there's a lot of people to know within Victory Life Church, and uh, uh, I, I love the atmosphere here. You guys are ha uh, just a blessed people, uh, Randy and Chad and uh, Darlene and, uh, gosh, uh, Don and everybody I've met so far, and Jacob. Sarah has been wonderful, and uh, you're a great people. Your setup is a lot like Hugo. I don't know if you've been to the Hugo location, but it's real similar to this. And uh, we're just a great church. We're growing. We're dynamic. We're simple. We're not too. We're never over anyone's head. We we grow. We develop. But we have strong leaders, and we have a lot of really great people within the church that are doing a lot of great things. And uh, I'm just feel thrilled to be a part of a great dynamic church. Amen. No pretense. There's no showmanship within Victory Life Church. It's a church who loves people, loves God, and we're doing our best to do everything that God wants us to do and wants us to be. Amen. So if you have a Bible this morning, I'm going to use probably three different Bibles in case one fails me. Uh, I can just keep going to a different one. We'll save that one for there. I didn't get connected uh, for some reason, Jacob. I think I do have to have a password here. It said I was connected, but I didn't. But I'll just use the ASV version, which will be fine. Isaiah chapter 61. This is where I want to go. And God has been speaking to me now for a few years, a scripture out of Isaiah 61. And at first, I thought it was a pretty cool scripture until I started thinking about everything that it involves. And how many of you know that God will trick you? Have you ever been tricked by God? He'll talk you into doing something, but he doesn't tell you all the details sometimes. He'll get you all excited, and you'll get puffed up thinking how great you are and, and what you can do, and you'll step out in God's 
plan and he doesn't tell you about all the pitfalls and all the things and all the hardship and all the heartache and all the things sometimes that go with being the person that God wants you to be. Well, I'm going to tell you about some of those things today if it's okay. I'm going to just warn you and forewarn you and tell you about some of the things that as a believer that you have to face and some of the preparations that you have to go for in order to be used of God. It can be an awesome life, but it is a life of faith. Jesus, okay, and so we're going to start in Isaiah 61, but I'm going to quote Luke chapter 4 for just a moment. Jesus comes on to the scene and he said, the Spirit of God is upon me. Now he found that in Isaiah chapter 61, and that's where we'll read it from this morning. But when he got to the end of that, quoting that, in Luke chapter 4, his first day to ever preach a public message, he says, this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now there's something that I found in the scriptures, that, and this is just kind of my interpretation on the scriptures and how they work. It's kind of like it's cyclical. Things just kind of go in a circle. And you can jump into the circle anywhere, and you're in the kingdom of God, but it has a tendency, things that kind of go around, come around. How many of you ever realized that? If you go through the book of uh, uh, Revelation, it's one of the things that's helped me, what little I do understand it, understanding at all is many of the things that's talked about there are things that we see happening on a daily basis. They come, they go, and yet it cycles and it comes back around again. We have Antichrist rising up all the time. John said that. There's many Antichrists in the world. Didn't he say that in 1 John? And yet we fight them, we, we defeat them, Jesus stands up, defeats them, they're put down only to rise up again somewhere down the road. Will there ultimately be an antichrist? Well, of course there will. He says that. But you can see that things are cyclical in the things of God. You go through battles, you win. It seems like then you go through battles and you win and you go through battles and you win and it's just a cycle that you get into. Well, the scriptures, when, I, when you start reading the scriptures, sometimes we have a tendency to think that the scriptures are just for a period of time, but many times the scriptures are what's God saying to you from that, because everything written was written for our example. Something that we can learn from it, something that we can apply and use in our own life. Isaiah 61 is one of those scriptures. Even though during that day it was applicable to them, when Jesus gets up and says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And because we're going to do the works that Jesus did, and greater works he said you'll do that I do, because I go to my Father, then we know that that scripture is still being applied today. The anointing that breaks jokes, that sets people free, this building of the kingdom of God that Jesus started, you and I are to continue that work. Now, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord Jehovah is upon me because Jehovah hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the year of Jehovah's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn and to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them a garland for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of Jehovah, that he may be glorified. Well, that's an awesome scripture, isn't it? God wants to set people free. And you know, I have a tendency to pick and choose my favorite verses in the scripture. Is anybody else like that? You know, there's some things I just kind of skip over really fast, and I say, well, I don't understand that. Well, the fact is, I don't want to understand it. Just by 
just by looking at them, thinking, I don't want to know what that will mean. So I go on to the best one. Well, here's a scripture that I kind of picked and choose for the longest time on what I wanted to read. And so I would read that part, and then I would skip on down, and I would talk about where strangers would feed your flocks. Because, see, I'm a rancher, so, man, if I could get somebody to feed for me, I'm a happy camper. Amen? I've got cattle scattered out over uh, two counties and actually three now. And, I mean, we're just going and coming, driving 100 and something miles a day just feeding cattle. And it takes two of us all day long. And that's only doing half one day and half the next day. And I think, if I can get some help, I'm a happy, happy camper. This thing here is dirty because I've been belling hay all week. And I've had it in a tractor with me listening to books and things like that. So it's dusty. I'm probably dusty and still got... Hey, behind my ears, because this is the thing that we do. So when I read something like that, I think, I want some help. That's what I need. And then it talks about them bringing in the riches. And I'm thinking, yeah, I want someone else's riches also. How many like that? But you have to read the verses prior to that to see what he's talking about. When he sends the anointing to destroy the yokes that's in people's lives. And right here it says, they shall build the old waste. At first you think... Well, I don't really know what that means. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. When he anointed, when he come in anointed, he went into places where things were broken down. He went into places that were hard. He went into places where people were leaving town, where the town was dying, where there was no fresh word of God, where there was no, where nothing was going right. People were leaving. It was a waste, dry, desolate place. We, we used to, uh, there was a guy that used to come to our Jubilee services back in the early times, and he was from a particular city, and well, he was one of the most negative guys. He's a pastor, but he was negative. Always, you know, nobody understands. My town's hard. It's the hardest place in the world, and you just can't reach anyone in the town I'm from, and he would just go on and on about how pitiful his town was, how sorry his town was, how the people there were hard, and it was just like preaching to dead stones. And I'm thinking, well, everybody in the Bible that God ever used went into places that were really, really, really hard. He told the prophets, he said, you speak to the dry bones, and you tell them to get up and live. Have you ever thought about that? Just look at that in a congregational sense. Not maybe going to a graveyard. That's we just kind of fantasize that is maybe he went out into a dead waste space where just a graveyard. But what about if he sends you to a church or a location or a city where people aren't hungry for the things of God? And he says, right here is where I've anointed you, and I want you to set captive people free right here in this place. What if he tells you to go into a town that everybody's leaving and they're moving to the next town over because the factory's over there and the factory left and now we're dying and the houses are falling down and people are moving out and the communities are, are falling apart and the only people that can stay are the ones who don't have the means to get out so the schools are deteriorating and it's just going down, 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 down. And God said, this is where I've anointed you. This is where I've sent you. I've sent you into the waste and the desolate and the dry places to do something great for the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, we say, yeah, but I'm telling you what. Think about it for a minute before you jump onto this bandwagon. Think about it for a minute. We have multiple businesses, and uh, my kids, as they've grown up, the ones that want to go into business, we just will buy a new business or create a new one. That's just how I'm geared. And so uh, we'll do that. And I feel it's my calling in life. And we'll put them in business. And uh, 
Um, so we put my daughter, she wanted to be, um, she'd watched too much television of what she did, and she decided that she wanted to be a um, um, U.S. Marshal. And I said, a U.S. Marshal? Yeah, I'm going to go into criminal justice, and I'm going to be a U.S. Marshal, and I'm going to degree. She's real smart. I'm going to get a degree in law, and I might be a lawyer someday. And, I'm, and I could say, well, be a lawyer if you want to go into law. Don't be a U.S. Marshal because you're, and if you're a U.S. Marshal, God bless you, but you're going to be around the scum of the earth constantly. Nothing but people who lie and cheat and steal, and it's not the glamorous life the television makes it out to be. You don't get to shoot people every day. You know, that's what I tell her. You don't get to pull your pistol out and shoot people you don't like. So she kept on, and we're praying. We're believing God that she'll change her mind, and she's in college, and, and things are just going along. And so I keep telling her, say, I, I don't know, have you thought about a business degree? And, ah, you know, I want to be a criminal justice, and I'll start my own investigation to work and agency and this and that. And I said, you'll never get to live. You like living here on the ranch. You'll, you'll have to move and you won't get to work from here. You have to be traveling all over the world and be hard to have a phone, home and a family. So toward the end of her degree, she said, you know, I'm thinking about maybe getting a minor in business also. And I said, good, that'd be good. I think it'd be awesome if you think you can handle it. And I think, yes, yes. And I'm thinking, we'll change that to a major before she gets out. And so she'd come along, she'd direct, and she said, you know what? I think I'll just go ahead and major in business and maybe minor in criminal justice and, and I can be a business person in this and have a detective agency. And I said, yes, we're getting closer to a win. And finally, she dropped the criminal justice altogether and at 23, graduated with a master's and a business degree. And so I told her, I said, if you'll do that, I said, I'll put you in a business. So she decided what she wanted to do. So we looked at this business in a town that we wanted to go to and uh, and it was a it was worth the money. We could have bought it. This couple wanted to retire, but they wanted me to keep the business in the building that it was in. And I tell them, I said, her, her name was Mary and his name was Donna. I said, I just can't leave the business here. I said, I'd love to have your business, but I want to move it out to a better location. And uh, I just knew that that business needed to be moved, and so or in my mind. And and they said, you have to promise. I can't promise you that. So. We knew that door had shut, so I was not going to buy the business and then do what I wanted to with the business. If, you know, I, wasn't, I wouldn't do that. So we're praying about it, and God sends us to a town, the least likely town, the only town in the world that I said I wouldn't have wanted a business, and yet God told me to go there. I convinced my wife and my daughter that's where we need to go, and so they get gung-ho. And we go into one of these waste towns that seem to be dying, and I spend a lot, a lot, a lot of money to build a brand new business. And we didn't just rent a building. We built a new business. We did it right. We made it kind of like the eyepiece of the town. And, you know, God gave me the reasons why he wanted to do that. And many of the things you'll find throughout this chapter, he said, I want to build back an ideal of prosperity. I want to build back an ideal of success. I want to show people that I can come into dead places and bring life back. And since we've done that, business have started popping up all over this little town. And people will tell us, say, man, you inspired us. Not only did you build a business, you did it right. It's like, and we have people driving from Dallas now that when they come through to see people, they'll purposely come there. So we just love this location where my daughter is. We did what God told us to. And since then, we've had an opportunity to go back into the town where we originally wanted to go, and we'll open another one this month there. 
But all of these are waste places, places that seem to have went down where God has told me, he said, I want someone that's willing to step out of a comfort zone and go into a place where nobody else has ventured to go before. When Jesus stepped onto that field that day and said, the Spirit of God is upon me, there had not been a fresh Word of God for 400 years. They just were religious, going through the motions. They were dead. And Jesus said, you're just, you're, you're like a graveyard. You're full of dead men's bones. You're like a cup that's clean on the outside, but inside you're dirty. And he come to change that. He come from the smallest town, the least likely of families. And yet he gets up one day and said, God has anointed me. <laughs> You've got to be bold to believe that. You've got to be bold to believe that God has called you to something specific like that. You've got to be brave. You've got to be someone who can stand up and with courage and confidence say, I know God's called me and no matter what it looks like, I'm going to run my course and finish my race. He said, I'm going to send you. You're going to build up the waste cities, the desolate places. Nobody in their right mind builds churches by going to small towns. Everybody goes to big towns. Why? You get more people, more money. You can do more things. Pastor Dwayne goes where God tells him to go into smaller communities, the people who have been left out, the people who have been forgotten. Huh? Isn't that awesome? And look what God has done. He's raising him up and sending him now around the world. So when I was thinking about this, and I just kind of was setting out this morning, and, and I'm thinking, I said, Lord, you, nobody wants to go into a place like that where it's desolate and dry, and, and I had a little piece of paper here, and this is how I, why I don't usually use notes, because I can't keep up with them. So I wrote some things down about what it would take if you're going to go into a waste city and do something great. It, it doesn't have to be to build a church. It could be to build a business. It could be to restore a broken marriage. Or a broken relationship. I, I tried not to give too many personal examples in my own life and the lives of people around me sometimes because it sometimes can be embarrassing. But just recently, I know of a woman who had been estranged from her mama for years. And her mom was in her well, 90s now. And God spoke to her to go and restore that broken relationship while she still had time on this earth. God can do those type things. It took years of prayer, years of preparation, years of getting their hearts right to be able to go and do that. Yet God can do that. It may be to build a business where business are failing. It may be putting, put in a housing project where no one has good housing to live in. Whatever the case may be, whatever the dream in your heart may be. If you're going to do this, number one, you have to have a vision. And a vision is not something spooky like we think sometimes where God has to just write it on the wall or fire-breathing dragons have to appear or smoke and angels and singing in the clouds and things like that. Sometimes a vision is nothing more than an idea. It's nothing more than a thought. It's nothing more than an impression that you have. It's, it's just a desire that you may have to see something different. Sometimes the call on your life is not something spectacular, but it's a dissatisfaction with the way things are. Sometimes we have to be dissatisfied in order to move. I don't know about you, but I have a tendency that things are going well to kind of get lazy. 
Sometimes I have to have issues. Sometimes problems come in, and it forces me to come back to God, to pray, to seek His counsel and seek His faith. I tell you what, the, really the champion in life is the one that d- continues to do the right thing even when things are going well. But we have a tendency to get lazy. So sometimes the vision is not just, well, I heard the angels singing and, and horns blowing at night, and I woke up at 3.33 for 12 nights in a row. I knew it meant something, so I, I did an internet search of what 3.33 means, and it means this or that or whatever. Sometimes it's just a thought, an ideal, or a vision. That's what a vision is. Vision means a sight, either openly or inwardly. It's an impression. Vision has the ideal of light, something that's been exposed, something that's out in the open. And so when, when Jesus walked out there, he said, God hath anointed me to come to this waste place and do something great. Now, in turn, God promises that I'll have people come and help you. I'll have people feed your flocks. I'll have the finances of the world will come in to do the things that I've called you to do. But that's after the fact. Another thing you have to do is you have to have personal training or development if you're going to restore a waste city. You have to be constantly be personally training yourself, developing yourself in the things of God. I mean, it's no different than if you wanted to go into a town that didn't have a good attorney and you want to be an attorney. You don't just put out a shingle and say, I'm an attorney. You have to go to school to prepare to learn, to get a degree, to go before your peers and be approved in order to be an attorney in a city. I want to be a hairdresser. Well, you can't just cut someone's hair, which if you're having any hairdressers in the room, my wife can cut hair, but she can't cut hair because she doesn't have a degree in it. Now, she don't cut my hair. As you can tell, I need someone to cut it, but uh, <laughs> sticking every which way. But she can, but she can't because she doesn't, hasn't been properly trained or developed. We want to do something great in life, but we sit back and we don't really, when we have a vision or an idea, we just think somehow it's just going to happen. No, it takes preparation and training sometimes to fulfill a vision or a dream. You want a good marriage, sometimes you have to go to a good counselor to figure out what, to make it, what you have to do to make it right. You want to build a church. We send guys like Landon's been in Colorado this week learning how to be a better pastor in order to have a better church. Preparing for growth. Not just trying to maintain, but preparing to grow again. How many would like to see this church double inside? Whoa, 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 whoa. Easy now. You might want to run backwards on this one. So don't say nothing this time. Or triple. If you double, triple, quadruple, you may have to go to multiple services. I mean, he's already tired with one service. How, how, how hard is it now to get people to fill the positions in the church with where we are, and then we go to multiple service. Now we've got multiple positions to fill. And can you see the obstacles that can be in the way when we start growing? We have to develop. Not only do we have to personally develop, we have to learn how to develop the people around us to prepare for growth. You have to see growth and prepare for growth before you can ever hold and maintain and handle growth. The worst thing that God could do for some of us sometimes is to grow us too fast. 
Because the Bible says prosperity ruins a fool. He didn't say prosperity is bad, but it'll run a fool. Well, I don't want to be a fool. I want to be a wise man. Wisdom comes with time. Wisdom comes with training. Wisdom comes from hanging out with the wise. Amen? Well, y'all are awful quiet in this full gospel Presbyterian church this morning, as Dwayne would say. We have to have vision as thoughts or desires. We have to have personal training and, and development. We have to have a strategy. Where does your strategy come from? What if you're going to do something for God? Many times the strategy is something that God will place in your heart on how to do something. When he told them to take the city, he said, now you march around the city seven times. And on the seventh day, shout after you've marched around it seven times. Well, that's not a strategy you're going to read in a book. It's something that seems off the wall. It seems crazy. It seems something that's so far out there that couldn't possibly work. What about when, when Peter comes to Jesus and said, hey, they want taxes. Well, how are we going to pay our taxes? He said, you go catch a fish, and the first fish you catch will have a coin in its mouth. Well, I might take a fish in if that worked. It may not work for you, it may not work for me, but it worked for Peter and Jesus on that day. A strategy that fit him. See, faith is something that's developed through the Word of God. It's not foolishness and it's not presumption. This is where a lot of people sometimes miss it. They think they're operating in faith, but it's just a desire that's not built upon development or strategy. They're just foolish and presumptuous. They think, if I'll build it, they will come. I know that's popular in the movie, but it's not popular in life. They may not come. They may stay away by the thousands if you build it, so to speak. But when you build where God tells you to build, when you do what God tells you to do, he said he'll cause streams to flow in the desert. He will cause the mountains to come low and the valleys to come up. He can do things that no one else can do. That comes from the Word of God. So I was reading the other day and, um, I was in, in Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul's talking about them. He said, you, you know, now that you've been born again, you, you who were dead and trespassed in sin, God has quickened or made you alive together with Christ and seated you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You've been seated in somewhere above the earth. You live simultaneously in two worlds at one time. So Jesus, when he gave us an example to pray, he said, when you go to the Father, say, our Father. So number one, I'm making a connection with, it's, you don't pray that, those words. That's a model on how to pray, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And it's actually not the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is in John chapter 17, where he said, Lord, I pray that they be one as we're one. That was Jesus' prayer. When they said, teach us to pray, he gave them a model on how to pray. And he said, when you come to God, you say, our Father, I have a divine connection with God. He's my Father. I'm of a different family than I used to be a part of. See, I'm a connected with God. I have a covenant with my Father, God. So uh, my Father, our Father, which art in heaven. So I'm realizing now that I not only am on the earth, I have entrance into heaven. And I can go into the heavenly realm, speak to God. And then I can find out what his will is in heaven and say, now I pray that be done on the earth. See, Sometimes we, we, we cut short the fact that we're 
citizens of two countries simultaneously. I'm grateful that we live in America, the greatest country on the earth. But I'm even more grateful that I'm part of heaven, the everlasting kingdom. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, he said, And you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. And you used to walk according to the prince of the power of the hour of the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. But you've come under a new way of thinking, a new way of understanding. You're connected to God. So he says in Corinthians, you can know the things that are freely given to us of God. You get a vision, you get an idea, God can give you the desire and he can give you insight as to how to bring that about. He can do that in your life. You want to build a waste city, a waste marriage, a waste job? You want to build anything that's broken down and falling apart? God can give you the insight on how to strategize and build that. So we need a strategy. This is what Jesus did when he come on the scene. He said, he spent 30 years developing. At 12, they said, we're Jesus. He said, hey, he's in that temple. Hey, I'm about my father's business. I'm learning from God. I'm growing in statue and wisdom, the scripture says. He grew up physically and he grew up spiritually at the same time. He wasn't out of balance. At 30 years old, he said, God has anointed me. I know what my vision is. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I need to do. And what did he do? He come up with a strategy and he began to create a team. He started putting a team together. He said, you, take up your cross and follow me. He comes to Peter one day and he said, hey, and he just got in Peter's boat. He just got in his boat and Peter looks at him and he said, let's go out in the deep. Would you take me out there? It'd be like you leaving here and somebody sitting in your car and they say, hey, would you take me to Walmart? I guess, you know, you got to go that bad, huh? That's kind of what Jesus did. He got in the boat and said, let's go out. And the Bible says that he began to preach from the boat, and then he told them to cast out into the deep water for a catch. And they said, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. Jesus said, just do what I tell you to do. Let your nets down on the other side. This side, that side. So you realize it's not about the side of the boat. It's about listening to Jesus. Any fishermen in the house? I mean, six or eight foot of water, I guess it could make a difference, but that big of a difference that they are sinking the boats and they come to the shore and the Bible says his new team left everything. They left the fish, the boats, the nets, left everything. And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Listen to this. The three closest to Jesus was Peter, James, and John. The three knuckleheads was Peter, James, and John. So sometimes in a church, all of you elders, you think, man, why did God give us all these knuckleheads? He just did. That's who showed up to the game to play. Huh? If Peter had not said, you can't have my boat, he probably would have got in the other boat. But Peter launched out and pushed him and gave him a shove and pushed him out into the water. See, sometimes we have to physically do things if we want to see a spiritual, supernatural move of God in our lives. You know, when the angels came to Sodom and Gomorrah, where Lot was, 
he saw them coming. He said, hey, guys, come on in and have supper with me. How he recognized them as angels, I don't know, but he recognized them. And it was a pretty depraved city. And so he's in there fixing dinner for them, and the men of the city start beating on the door, beating on the door. Let them out. Let them out. We want those guys. Give them to us so that we can have our way with them. And Lot, the genius he is, says, you can't have them. They're my guests, but you can take my daughters. I mean, like, what kind of dad is that? But that's what he said. And he's out, and the people are stoning him, and the angels open the door and reach out and grab him and then shut the door quick so the guys can't get in. These are angels, and yet they shut the door. Did it just like we would have done it. And then he struck them, because the guys wouldn't quit, they struck them with blindness so that they could get out of the city. See, we want a miracle a lot of times in our lives, and thank God for miracles. But sometimes God wants to do what we can do. And when what we can do doesn't go far enough, then he'll do the uxter with a miracle, something supernatural. We want God to do it all. And he said, no, you, you do what you can. You roll the stone away, and then I'll tell Lazarus to come forth. And when Lazarus came forth, then he said, now you take the binding off of him so he can go free. God's asking some of us to put our hands to the plow. If we want growth, if we want to develop and grow and double, there's going to be some of us that are asked to do something that takes me even to part of the next thing right here that is the part that I really dread going to. A vision, that's wonderful. I'm okay with vision. Personal training, okay, I'm okay with some of that. Strategy, I'm okay with some of that. Putting a team together, I'm even okay with that. I'll try to be a part of a team, even though I don't get along well with others. The next one is, it's going to take a huge investment. Hmm? You ever heard of building a waste city that it didn't cost money? Now, I'm not on staff of Victory Life. I don't uh, make any money from anything I say or do in Victory Life. So when I talk about money and investment, I'm not doing it for any gain in and of myself. But I know when God gives you a vision or a call, sometimes it takes an initial investment as you're building the way cities before the resources of the nations begin to come in. Sometimes it takes a huge investment. So when God told me the town to go to, I thought, yeah, this is God, okay. And I got my head wrapped around to take this one business to this town. And I thought, man, okay, Lord, I'm for it, I'm for it. Yeah, I built myself up and we got all ready. And then it hit me one day how much it was going to cost. I said, Lord, <laughs> give me a brown sack, I'm hyperventilating. <laughs> Did it cost it? Yeah, it cost it. I didn't, a fish has not spit me up a nickel yet. <laughs> hmm? But jobs continue to come in my other businesses. Favor continues to come in my other business. This business is growing. It's creating something inside of other people that's even more rewarding than what it cost me. The sacrifice of what I had to pay in order to build this up does not even compare to 
the reward I'm seeing in other people as they're being built up in their own lives and in their own businesses. Do you think God has anointed you? Do you think he's anointed this church? Are we as a people willing to get on a, on a strategy of personal growth and development and to be a part of a team and to play with other people well, even when we don't get our way? See, on the senior lead team, I'm, I'm maybe the, what you might call the, the ideals guy. We can come up with a, a problem or an issue, and, and they'll spit it out there in, in this meeting, and I'm the guy who can come up with 5,000 things we need to do to make that work. And they're the guys who say, that won't work, that won't work, that won't work, that won't work. And I never get my feelings hurt. I say, well, if that one won't, how about this one? It's called playing with the big boys. It's called playing with the mature. It's not personal. We're team members, and I trust my team. And we're on this team, and we've been with each other long enough. We trust one another that if they say, your ideal's crazy, I don't take that personal. They already know I'm crazy, so what's the deal? I don't take it personal. So when they say, does this, you know, you've heard the deal where the lady says, does this, do you like this dress? Well, I don't like that dress. She said, you don't like me? No, I didn't say I didn't like you. I said, I don't like you. You know, you've heard that one before. It's the same with me. They throw, I throw my ideal. Do you like this? And they said, we don't like your ideal. It's the same deal. Okay, I've got another one. I can come up with ideals faster than you can shoot them down. I'm the guy when things are blowing up and everybody's running for cover, I'm saying, okay, now here's what we got to do. When they come in and the house is on fire, I'm the guy who says, you get this. You, I'm the guy who's thinking of how we're going to get out of this problem. I'm not the guy who sits back and says, oh my God, I can't believe. I can't believe it. It's happened before and it'll happen again. So that's the guy I am. So I don't take it personal when the team says your idea won't work. We tried it and it didn't work. I'm thinking, well, I think it will work. But if you've outvoted me, let's go on to item number two. Can you play on a team like that? Can you play on a team that you don't always get your way and, and there's somebody else, even though you may be the best person, you may have the best idea, but the team doesn't see it yet. Are you willing to stay on the team and play until they can see what you see? Someone was criticizing Pastor Dwayne one time for some of the song choices. And, you know, you're never going to please everyone with songs. My mama, she's, if, if you could play some Bill Gaither and some Jimmy Swagger, she's going to be on cloud nine because that's the kind of thing she likes. And you got other people, they're into this and hip hop and rap and country and Cortez and Hillsong. And now, we, now we're fighting on whether people are fighting on whether Hillsong or Elevation or Maranatha or whoever is the best. And I don't, I'm, I'm out of my league even talking about that. So you guys in the music, forgive me if I don't know what I'm talking about. But I do remember Pastor Dwayne, someone just was on him one time about the song. They didn't like this and they didn't like that. And he looked right at me and said, you know what? Out of all the songs we sing, I only like one of them. They said, you mean you don't like them? No. And he said, why don't you change them? He said, that's in their department. I've given them charge over that. I know their hearts and they're praying and they're seeking God. I don't have to like everything we do. I'm in charge. <laughs> I thought that's pretty good. You got people down here that if they don't get their way, they're mad and they're going to quit. 
What if we did that? What if the leadership did that every time they didn't get? You don't realize how many times we don't get our way within leadership. You don't realize how many times Pastor Dwayne does not get his way. He said, we're going to build a 10-story building, and the accounting department says, no, you're not. We don't have any money. Uh, we're going to clear that lot off to get ready for 10. Yeah, now we can do that. We can do that. We can clear the lot and get ready. Well, I thought if God said it, you could just do it. Try it sometimes. If he tells you to walk on water, you can. If he doesn't, you can't. Faith, foolishness, or presumption. I choose to be a person who walks in faith. I'm not going to operate foolishly or presumptuously. And just because it works for you doesn't mean it will work for me. And just because the church down the street is doing something great doesn't mean we can do it. We have to find a strategy for us. Create a team. Be willing to invest time, energy, efforts, our finances, whatever it is. You do realize it's the sheep that produce sheep. The churches that are really blossoming and on fire are the churches where there's an enthusiasm within the congregation and it begins to spread to their peers and their circle of friends and people want to come and see what it is that's making you different sometimes you don't even have to say anything vision it could be a thought a desire it's just this idea that i have Personal training and development is something that I do at my pace and the way and as fast as I want to. Strategy is something that grows over time as you get into the Word of God. And as I, and I was going to a while ago in Ephesians chapter 4, and I got sidetracked, but where Paul is talking to them, and he said, He that ascended on high is this first one that first descended. And he's telling them, said, Each and every one of you have a unique gift. And he said, the text for this is, and he reverts back to Isaiah chapter 68, or Psalms chapter 68. And if you go back and read Ephesians 4, where Paul said, the text for this is this, he that ascended on high is first, he that descended, and he gave gifts unto men. And you go read it back in its original context, I think, it don't say that. Or I could read in 2 Corinthians where Paul said, I, as the prophets were they believed they said therefore we believe and we speak also you go back to psalms 116 and you find that one i'm thinking that don't fit so how did they make it fit god has a way of taking the word that you read and making it fit for you that's why you can get something out of a scripture sometimes that no one else can see that's called the living word of god he can speak something to you. That's why when I read here about what God does for Israel and it fits, I say, that's mine in Jesus' name. I'm anointed just like Jesus was anointed. I'm going to build the way cities just like he said we could build the way cities. And I know that people are going to come and support the vision and the dreams and the ideas that I have. Amen? You get into the Word and you really get into the Word, the Word will begin to speak to you and strategies will begin to grow on the inside of you. Team members will start joining themselves to you. Jesus said, you come and follow me. And they just left and followed him. And at the end of the life, when Jesus was praying to the Father, he said, Father, I have not lost any person that you've given me 
Well, except the one, the devil guy. I lost him, but he don't really count. Scriptures had to be fulfilled, but the rest of them I kept. Amen. John said, I love John's attitude. He said, oh, listen, if they were really for us, they would have never left us to start with. The fact that they left us says they weren't for us. Well, I'm not going to be been out of shape who leaves or who doesn't come. I'm going to trust God, do what God tells me to do. And he's going to add to the church daily such as should be saved. After I invest, and then this is part of anything in the kingdom of God, and it's called time. It just takes time. How many is in it for the long haul? I'm in it for the long haul. I want to live a long life. I want to be used of God my entire life. I am in this thing for the long run. I've seen ups, ebbs and flows. Things go up and things go down. But I'm in this thing for the long haul. And finally, the last one I put on that. When you can do that, and you can be committed to the long, there will be a reward. There will be a reward. God is not unfaithful. He is not unrighteous or he's not unjust. He will reward your work of faith and labor of love. If you continue to love God and love people, just grow at the pace that he wants you to grow. Develop the programs he wants you to develop. If he wants you to be aggressive, be aggressive. If he tells you to slow down, slow down. It's just a living relationship with a loving God. I don't have to impress anyone with how smooth I am. I don't have to impress anyone with, I mean, don't, don't be bent out of shape if you're not growing at the pace personally or as a church or as a team that you want to grow. Just stay engaged. Stay plugged in. Don't unplug. Settle, settle in your heart where God has planted you. Man, I had to settle it in my heart when me and my wife got married. We're planted. She should have left me a lot of time when we first got married, but she was planted. I finally turned into a fairly decent husband, or at least I think I am. <laughs> Don't ask her what she thinks. She might, have a, she might still be uh, very patiently waiting on God. <laughs> well, I kind of like me, and if you get to know me, you'll like me too. I'm a really pretty easy guy to get along with. And, Love people. I want to see the best out of you. I get pretty bold when I'm up here, but if you're not talking private, I'm going to be real gentle, nice. And I mean, I'm like Jesus. I'm just really nice. <laughs> That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> and don't believe anything that anyone else has said about me. I'll tell you the real story about me. Just grow at your own pace. This should be a life of joy, unspeakable and full of glory. It should be a life that we don't dread getting up and facing every day. If we're in the ministry and we're dreading it, we need to go back before God and say, why? What's up? Why am I not enjoying it? Am I in the wrong position? Am I dissatisfied because it's time to go to a new position? Did you call me and I've just lost my whim because I'm not keeping a live relationship going with you? Am I, am I missing something? Be honest and open with God. If you read the Psalms, men are awesome. But David, he was honest and said, well, yeah, God, you've left me. Why'd you leave me? 
We know God didn't leave him, but he felt like that, so he was open with God. Let me give you a clue. If you were to do a study of the temple and the city wall, there was what was called the east gate. The east gate looked toward the eastern sky, and that was symbolic of when you step of the east sky, you're looking into the face of God. And when you're at that east God and you're worshiping God, there is no enemy that can get between you and God. Anything you say between you and God when you're in that time of worship and praise is okay. How you feel is okay. God can handle that you really feel the way you feel. And until you're honest with yourself, and I mean brutally honest, God can't be honest with you either. You got to be honest with yourself. Lord, I'm just, I hate to admit it, I'm just lazy. The church grows, they're going to want me to do something. I don't want to invest what it takes to build a good business. I just want to be honest about it. Just, you know, you say, Lord, I'm happy where I am. Okay, you're happy where you are. Tell him. But if you want to grow and you want to change and you want to see some things differently, you're going to have to do some things differently. You have to think differently. You're going to have to be strong when everybody else is giving up. If you're going to be a leader in God's kingdom. You're going to be the person that steps out in front of the battle. And leads the people. You're not the person who stands behind that pushes the people. There's an investment to grow in the kingdom of God. Whether personally, relationally, or even within a business or a church. There's a cost to grow in. Say, I love Pastor Landon, (laughs) and I can't wait for him to get back. (laughs) There's a great atmosphere here, great attitude here. I'd like for the prayer team to come forward, please. So to finish my story about our business in that town, it's, it's growing, we're Moving to the town we were originally going to move to and two doors down. Things are just going well in that business. Other businesses are doing what they do. They have their ups and downs, but we grow. The church is growing. You know, I'm a, a, a ranch is the part I like about our business. My son runs our construction company. My wife takes care of all the paperwork and uh, she's got the most stressful job of all of us. She she pays the bills, and I write the checks, and I never ask if we have any money in the account. I just write the checks, and she has to figure out how to pay them. And she takes care of the rental properties. And But I like to ranch. I spent my whole life to get my ranch big enough to, to operate. Now it's almost too big, but I enjoy that, you know? I enjoy that. But no matter how much I enjoyed and how successful I may or may not be, I've found that in life, things have their good moments and they have their bad moments. They have their ups and downs. You have weather issues on the ranch. You have market prices that you don't control. You have input costs sometimes that you try to minimize, but sometimes things just cost more than they should and prices aren't there. But, but I enjoy it. You know what I mean? I enjoy it. So I may not enjoy parts of it, but as a whole, and the rewards of it as a whole, I'm willing to do the parts I don't like to do so that I can enjoy it as a whole. 
I don't know anybody that really likes to dig post hoes. But we'll dig a few post hoes so we can have a good fence and cattle don't get on the highways. But I enjoy the lifestyle in general. I can set my own pace. I don't have to get up till like 5 in the morning or something. I can sleep in, you know, and I can get off early like at 7 or 8 at night. And I'm, I'm fudging a little bit there. It's the same with your life. Just sit back sometimes and reflect and look at it as a whole. Okay, I got some issues and they're just consuming my thoughts about it this one thing and, and, and we can have a spouse and we can pick five things we just hate about them and all we can think is those five things and have you ever stopped to look at five things you like about them one of them number one that they're staying with you <laughs> that's the number one every time some of my friends have issues in their marriage I go home and grab my wife and say, I just love my wife <laughs> oh you're wonderful <laughs> I used to tell people when I come, they say, where's your wife? She's not coming. I said, but you'll know her. I said, uh, it takes three of us to put our arms around her, so you'll know her. Boy, that's not true, but it's, I always thought it was funny, but she didn't think it was funny, so I quit saying that. <laughs> I told her once, I said, you should come with me, and then I won't say things like that. So when you look at a church and the building of the church, and you start setting your goals and your ambitions and the things that you want to do, or even your health, you want better health? Are you willing to do things to have a better health in your life? Not feds, but I'm talking about just really living a healthy I don't want to have to be healed. I want to live healthy. I'll get healed if I need to be healed, but health is God's plan. Not just in my body, but in my mind, my spirit, and my relationship. So if you approach life with gratitude... You approach life with seeing it as a marathon and not a sprint, that we will get there if we just keep pressing in. If you'll challenge life and give it your effort, life has a way of rewarding you back no matter what you go through. And Peter said, if it's God's will that you suffer for a while, we don't like that scripture, but it's in there. If it's His will that we go through something for a while, let's just get through it. Let's keep our attitude right. Let's never leave our relationships or disconnect from a body that loves us. Let's stay connected to people who love us. Jesus said, if you stay connected, if you abide in the vine, and my words are connected in, at home with you, I, you can ask what you will, and it shall be yours. The Kenneth Weiss translation says this in John chapter 15, verse 7. If you're at home in my words, and my words are at home in you, I command you, ask me something for yourself, whatever your heart's desire is. Oh, I love this one. And it shall be yours. Stay connected to God and let Him stay connected to you. Let the Word, when God tells you to forgive, just forgive. If He tells you to give a soft answer instead of a barking back in anger, just give a soft answer. And ask him what you want. I want, a, I want a better marriage. I want a more loving husband, a more loving wife. Then be a more loving husband or a loving wife. I want better friends. Then be a better friend. I want the thing that you want so. So to the thing that you want. 
And watch what God can do. He'll start giving you the very desires of your heart. Amen. So if you're here today and you need prayer, these guys will pray for you. And if you need prayer, he said, pray you one for another that you might be healed, that you might be well. Confess your faults one to another. That was a slip of the tongue, wasn't it? Confess your faults. <laughs> so he chose Peter, who was uh, foul mouth as they come, wasn't he? <laughs> that wasn't too bad anyway. Confess your faults one to another that you might be well. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this great congregation of people. I love Victory Life Church. But more than that, I love you, Father. And I see your spirit on every location that I've been to. I see you over our leaders and I see you over the people. The heart for servanthood that we have, Father God. People wanting to serve one another and help one another and that are there for one another. I don't know if you guys have seen and heard the Baby Uriah's testimony or not. Have y'all been keeping up with that? He was out of the womb without oxygen and in a heartbeat for a full 10 minutes and maybe 20 minutes or not exactly, at least 10 plus no telling how long within the womb. And we saw a miracle. This place to stay connected with people who will stand with you and believe with you. Amen.